Cheater Chiker. Yes. I don't know. How, how are we going to introduce these episodes without talking about the weather? Like, there's nothing to complain about right now. It's quite amazing. We can talk about how nice it was. Because it, was it nice. has been nice. Quite like, lovely. Finally. Like, I don't know why, but I've just been feeling these nice weather days have made me feel like super nostalgic. Because it's been years since I've had nothing to do on a nice spring day like this. <laughs> yep. Or it's just like, man, I feel like a kid for some reason. I have a little more money than I did then, but what not as much as I would like. Nowadays? Well, can't really go anywhere to spend it now, can I? No. I can buy gas. Gas is cheap, For boy. the car that I'm not likely to drive very far anytime soon. But it does need gas. Having car issues, are you? Hmm. Beyond refueling and uh, the... Cr- the uh, chip in my windshield after a two years turning into a full-blown crack uh-huh as they do <sighs> when you first got that chip you were talking to me about oh i should get that fixed or get that looked at or yep and then you you slowly didn't do that i or you did i bought a kit that you're supposed to inject like this epoxy stuff into the chip but the thing was is that there's like this thin film covering the glass and the crack was inside of that film. So I couldn't get the epoxy in there. And you didn't take it to a, to a no, because at that point I had switched states and my new car insurance didn't cover it. Uh So I should have listened to my dad who said that I needed to (laughs) get that fixed because my old insurance did cover it, but I was lazy. So that's what you get. You reap the whirlwind, whirlwind, as it were. You reap the crack. The the whirlwind. As it whirl. (laughs) Um, The inner whirl. Whirl is a weird word, like W-H-O-R-L. Whirl. 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 What is its definition? Um, In the context I am used to it in is that it's like a portion of like a grass plants like anatomy so it's like an inner whorl of a leaf on a grass plant so if if a uh, spider takes up residence inside of a plant does it make a whorl wide web it <laughs> makes it into a <laughs> makes it into a whorl house that's for sure yes of course it does <laughs> whorl house in the middle of Whirl House. Whirl House. That's what the spider will sing. We love to sing about the moon and the juna and the springa. And the tuna. <laughs> <laughs> I could never remember what came after the moon and the juna. So I'm like, what's a word that rhymes with a juna? Moon and a juna? 
and hmm. the tuna. Tuna. But it didn't do that. Did so now every time I say the Muna and the Juna and the tuna. Mm. Not to attempt to age my mom or anything, but we got a DVD full of old Looney Tunes cartoons like that for Christmas one year. And that one was on it with like the owls. It's like a, that one I believe came out in like the 1930s. No. <laughs> but could you fool them? <laughs> I mean, Simon Cowell wasn't involved. Mm-hmm. No, no deceitful badgers. No. Or beavers. Not beavers. Beavers. Yeah. It's right. He's right. The king of the beavers was not yet involved. Um, mm-hmm. But at any rate, yeah, the, there was the Looney, old Looney Tunes. I think it was Merry Melodies is what they called it then. It's a cartoon of these owls. This, uh, the dad owl is like a stodgy old, you know, very formal, rigid music person. And this little, this little boy. He's a rigid trad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The little boy owl is like really into jazz and he just wants to jazz out. So that's where the little tune came from. And then we're sitting there watching this in the living room. My mom's like, oh my gosh, I remember watching this when I was a kid. It's like, wow, mom. I mean, Looney (laughs) Tunes have been on reruns forever for one thing. Yeah, that's, that's true. They are fairly intergenerational. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, because I, I feel like this cartoon in particular came out in like the 1930s or 40s. So, predating both of my parents. But yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a fun little That thing. is a little bit strange that it dated both of your parents. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the only people who ever dated I my parents were my parents. It was one time... One time. That's the way to See, do it. I can't yeah. picture your dad and your dad. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh. Uh, um, anyway. Uh, let's see. There was another train of thought I had there. Another, another little bit in that cartoon that was kind of funny was that there was like this sort of amateur hour thing going on. Where like anybody could like go into the local radio mm-hmm. station and like audition themselves basically, and so like if they weren't popular, that like the radio or, or if the person wasn't very good, the radio station operator would just like flip a lever and they go down a trap door and disappear into the darkness. Pull the lever, crunk. Run lever. Pull the lever, crunk. <laughs> Why do we even have that lever? Lever. Uzma. Why do we even have that lever? <laughs> yes, it doesn't work very well. Pull the lever, Mr. Kronk. Pull the lever, Kronk. <laughs> we were over dinner tonight. We were doing um, a bunch of... We were trying to swap out um, Thanos lines if, if they were spoken by Bane. Bane from specifically Tom Hardy's portrayal. Tom Hardy's from, Bane, yeah. Uh, Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight Rises. Yep. Not the one from Batman and Robin. No. He didn't say much. Have you seen Batman and Robin? I don't intend to. Really? Nor from the... Um, it, it is very dumb, and I enjoy it for being dumb. That's George it Clooney. Ba- it's the George Batman Clooney Batman. Batman, yes. The one yeah. with Poison Ivy. Mm-hmm. and uh, The Batman with Poison Arnold Ivy. As <laughs> Mr. Freeze. And it's kind of fantastically awful. Does Batman know that there's like a special oil you can get for that? Oh, really? He probably has it in his belt. Probably. Yeah, it's like a salve. Yeah. I I don't know how true this is, but I, I've i heard that some people are more allergic to poison ivy than others. Like, yeah. Yeah. 
Because mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever... All, I've been in poison ivy before, but I've never gotten a rash from it. All poison ivy is is an allergic reaction. To the oil on the, the leaf. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's like a common some, allergy, but like... Some of my family members are allergic to it, and others aren't. I've never gotten an itch from it that I'm aware of. And I've been through... We lived in the woods, so I was in poison ivy all the time, whether I knew it or not. <laughs> I just had this image of you, like house, like in this dead center of the woods, surrounded by it's forest. Like just a we forest had to walk of poison, through poison ivy. ivy to get to my front door. <laughs> You're lucky to have a front door. <laughs> <laughs> we used to live in the lake. <laughs> you are lucky to have a lake. <laughs> there were 150 of us living in shoebox in the middle of Rome. We got <laughs> we got evicted from our hole in the ground. <laughs> had to go and live in the lake. <laughs> But we yeah. used to live in a paper bag in a septic tank. <laughs> that one that one sounds like the worst to me. Yeah. A paper bag in a septic tank. Yeah. Because that paper bag wasn't gonna last long. Even even worse than Eric Idle's bit at the end. Where the mom and dad would slice into them with bread knife. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Must have taken some effort because bread knives aren't typically that sharp. Woke up, um, at ten o'clock in the ten o'clock at night, half an hour before they went to bed, drank a <laughs> cup of sulfuric acid, worked twenty four hour day down at the mill, <laughs> unpaid, and when they got home, their mom and dad would kill them and dance about on their graves singing Hallelujah. <laughs> this is a Monty Python bit for those who are unfamiliar that we're referencing, but I feel like it's one of the more popular ones. You might have heard of it. Mm-hmm. Four Yorkshiremen. It's fun. Um, Sean Bean is from Yorkshire. I was watching this interview where they asked him, like, hey, could you, like, dial up your Yorkshire accent for us? And he's like, yeah, well, I've been trying to dumb it down so you guys can understand what I'm saying. <laughs> but then, like, he went off and, like, just how he did what he did that day. And there, and it was almost impossible to understand a word he was saying. Like, you picked up words here and there, but it wasn't very easy to string together. Funny. But... Yeah. But what if? But what if? But what if? I would have purchased fast food and disguised it as my own cooking. What if Spinge Bill was not kill? Oh, ho, ho, ho. Delightfully, delightfulish, Mr. Krabs. (laughs) What we might need to do eventually is, like, have a running tally of the number of steamed hams references that we leave on this podcast. We might. That would entail going back and listening to all the other episodes and figuring out how many steamed hams references there were. True. It, it, it might be worth that it. That made if the we final like cut, that. too. I don't edit these episodes very much, but occasionally I do. Occasionally. Just just a little bit. We, we should ideally get more editing in the future at some we point. We get a little. Uh, because we'll have transitions and yep. things. And speaking of transitions, is it is now a good time to go into the main episode? I mean, we I could be a little more artful about it. Are we going to continue to banter? I don't know. I mean, it's not a question of should we transition now. It's a question of how do we transition. But well, I had a transition all lined up. Oh, it was that called was, speaking was of it. transitions. All right, speaking of transitions, <laughs> we are the Palladium Papists. I'm James. I'm Nathan, and I'm Riley. Today we're talking about the movie Logan. Yes, that is the topic we're covering. Indeed. So, um, for starters, as some of you may or may not know the movie Logan is actually an X-Men spin-off movie speech um, 
primarily about Logan, uh, who is the Wolverine, as in as he gets older and has to deal with stuff. Um, played by Hugh Jackman. Played by Hugh Jackman, who you may know from such movies as X Men. <laughs> and uh, Greatest Showman, how many? How, what, what percentage of our we don't listenership speak of is movie. women? Forty oh. percent for the last two weeks. Okay, well, for their to, sake, to, we'll speak of that movie. For those forty percent, he's the guy from Greatest Showman. For their anyway. sake, we'll speak of that movie. I guess. Anyway, um, I'll allow it. So, a little background on X Men. The whole premise of X Men is that they're um, in the vaguely distant future, but also kind of the present. Uh, and also the past. Anyway, um, <laughs> the thing is, um, mutants are like the next step in human evolution. They're just people with superpowers. Um, and um, Charles Xavier is a bald guy who, in a wheelchair who starts a school specifically for teaching mutants how to deal with their powers and enter society. Mm-hmm. Um, also, he worth noting is he's the, pro- the wor- world's most powerful... Um, Tele- telepath so mm-hmm. he's like psychic he can read people's minds mm-hmm. um and also and then the people who graduate from his school and want to help stop all the racist um humans that are trying to wipe out mutants and all the racist mutants that are trying to wipe out humans the people that fight against the bad guys and racists those are the x-men you got but they're they're the stars of other movies yeah um the one we're focusing on, because he's the main character of Logan and probably the best character to come from the X-Men movies, is by far is Wolverine. And his thing is he is a... He's got... Uh, his powers are he's got claws that come out of his knuckles. He's got... A, he, he heals really quickly. And he's got heightened, like, tracker senses. Mm-hmm. And his thing is, in, like, the 80s or something... He was part of an experiment. Back in the 80s. (laughs) He was part of like a government experiment that was uh, testing mutants and stuff. Uh And as part of that, he got a virtually unbreakable metal called adamantium. It's a fictional metal uh, grafted to his entire skeleton. Yep. And so you've got Wolverine, who's this virtually indestructible, practically immortal killing machine. He's he's what at this point like two hundred years old or something something like that. He's been around since the healing factor keeps him from aging. Yeah, pretty much. Um. Anyway, so he is off doing his thing when he gets recruited by the X Men, and that's how he meets up with people. Uh, That's kind of what goes on in the earlier X Men movies. Um. But now we've gotten to the point in at the beginning of Logan, where this is the middle distant future of. Night of 2027. 29, something 29, like that. 29, somewhere in that range. Something like that. Um, and this is like after mutants have stopped being born and have kind of faded out of into obscurity. All of the X-Men have died. Um, and all that's left is Wolverine with Professor Xavier just like chilling out in Mexico because Xavier is getting really old and he's got become prone to strokes and when you are the most powerful mutant brain having a stroke is very dangerous Mm -hmm. for like everybody and so he's got him contained in like a water tower to help block psychic waves or whatever Mm -hmm. and wolverine's just down there being an uber driver uh as 
to get some income to pay for the drugs to keep uh, Professor Xavier from being able to use his powers and hurt people. Mm-hmm. He's also living there with uh, with another mutant named Caliban, and his mutant powers is finding other people with mutant powers. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. So they're living this kind of dysfunctional life, but they're making it work kind of somehow. Uh, when Wolverine is approached by a woman who's like, hey, you're the Wolverine. I need you to take me to Canada with my little girl. And he's like, and no. North Dakota. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's an important we'll get to point. That. We'll get to that. <laughs> uh, anyway, and he's like, no. Uh, she asks again, and he's like, no. She shows up dead later, and he's still like, no. The girl shows up in his car, and he's like, no. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, then the then the evil government guys who um, are chasing the woman and the girl. Uh, kind of like laboratory weirdo. Yeah. Yeah. The government guys. <laughs> they're, they're, uh, yeah. Um, they, they show up, and that they kick off this whole... Uh, Basically, movie long car chase across America mm-hmm. from with with Wolverine, uh, Laura, the little girl, um, who eventually turns out to be a gen- uh, the, the experiment that the government people were doing is basically creating their own mutants using existing mutants DNA yep. and quote unquote volunteer women to grow them in. Yeah, um, and Laura. Uh, is the DNA daughter of Wolverine, basically. She's got claws. Uh, they've grafted metal to her skin. She heals, that whole thing. She's got foot claw, too. She, she got foot claw, too, just to be different. Yep. Anyway, so... To her skeleton, not her skin. But yeah, <laughs> that would be a lot different. <laughs> yeah, it would be. Anyway, so Logan, Laura, and uh, Charles Xavier make their way up to to Canada being chased by these government guys. That's the whole premise of the movie, more or less. Yeah. Charles Xavier dies halfway through at the hands of an evil clone of Wolverine, because that's a thing the government guys have. Uh-huh. And then uh, at the border, as the kids are crossing, they get ambushed one more time. But Wolverine saves them and in, in exchange for his own life, because another, I guess another important thing to say is, well, he's, Wolverine is all, not only old, but he's also a lot weaker now. Mm-hmm. He's losing control of his healing powers and his claw powers and stuff he's kind of just he's even losing his senses to some degree he needs to wear glasses now yeah and uh and it's implied that this is primarily due to uh the metal in his bones in his body poisoning him over the last half a deck oof, oof, ouch my bones bone hurting, <laughs> bone hurting metal the bone hurting metal anyway uh no Logan. so yeah at the at the end of the movie he 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 dies and the new kids go on to wherever in Canada the mutants are gathering to stay safe. They're, yeah, they're safe because they they, they're getting sanctuary in Canada or something. Once they cross into Canada, we can't touch them. Because plot device. Because and also they're all dead. <laughs> anyway. Yes. But so they, they made a really big deal about not letting them get to Canada. <laughs> this is like... They just immediately are well, out of maybe, their jurisdiction, I guess. Maybe in this version of 2027, like... Canada is like a giant military superpower. <laughs> <laughs> eh? Well, we can't let you do that, eh? <laughs> gotta stay on your oh, side sorry. of the wall there. Sorry, sorry you gotta stay oh, on the other side there, man. We'd give you some Tim Hortons, but, you know, it's too good. <laughs> <laughs> can't have it. All right, now well, I'm we, doing, we, like, the sort of Minnesota accent. Like, well, Canadian's uh, a little softer. Eh, Depends. 
Depends on which kind of Canadian accent you're talking about. A boat. A boat. A boat. Anyway. A boat. But yeah. So that's the overall general premise. We'll get into details here and there when we start the actual analysis. Yep. So one of, one of the things that strike, strikes me about the movie is it's kind of a lot about Wolverine's how he deals with um, violence and his past, uh, you know, he, he's he got metal claws in his hands. What else is he going to do, right? Yeah. He's the best there is at what he does, and what he does is kind of messy. And this movie is rated R, unlike all the other X-Men films, mm-hmm. and it's a lot grittier, it's a lot darker, it's, there's a lot more swearing and stuff. It's just a lot more grounded and gritty. Mm-hmm. And this is the most, like, visceral Wolverine's fighting has ever been, right? So you can really kind of see how just kind of what Wolverine has done, you know, like, in more detail than normal. And it's like a lot – I feel like one of the main things about the movie is Wolverine dealing with all the killing that he's done, all the violence he's done. Because mm-hmm. – and then – and all the people he has inadvertently hurt by being so violent around and around them, right? Yeah. Because, um, for for context, in the earlier um, X Men films, uh, the uh, Jean Grey becomes the Dark Phoenix in one of the movies, mm-hmm. and she's out of control, and so Wolverine takes it upon himself to stop her by killing her, and that sticks with him. Uh, it's it's. So a lot of the movie is really Wolverine kind of dealing with and justifying or trying to come to terms with his own past violence, right? And that's something he sees in Laura, right? Uh Where she is pretty much born with the sins of her father in a way. Uh And that's something you see directly with his conflict with X-24, the evil Wolverine, right? The final conflict is... He doesn't fight the the government guy that's been chasing them or the Weapon X guy that created him. No, he fights himself. Which is sort of, he's sort of dumbed down like a clone that's really only his basest like strengths and like brutality. He doesn't really have a whole lot of intelligence. It's Wolverine at his most violent and blindly angry. Yeah. Right? And so that's the, the thing he kind of has to deal with and overcome in a way. And he has to... I feel like one of the biggest things is learning to come to terms with it and kind of forgive himself, right? Mm-hmm. Throughout the whole movie, he's kind of dismissive of Laura of X-23, right? He doesn't want to... He doesn't think... Because I feel like she kind of represents Wolverine's potential for good or to change yeah. or amend his ways, yeah, which he can't accept right now. He's not in a pl- place mentally or spiritually where he can accept redemption. Yeah. Throughout the movie, they bring up, um, in this movie, apparently, comic books idolizing and he- making heroes out of the X-Men exist in this universe. And he is very... Re- he rejects that image of him. He rejects the heroism because he feels and focuses on the, the darkness of what mm-hmm. he's done. Right, He doesn't see what good has come from anything he's done. He treats it as a fairy tale, as a myth. He's very much uh, a war uh, a war veteran who's come home shell-shocked and very disillusioned with everything and everybody. Yep. 
So that's one of the big themes of the film, I feel like. Yeah, and then and, and then over the course of the movie, you sort of see him start to change in that he sort of, Laura, you know, being her, her dad's daughter, um, has some of those instincts where like she just wants to sort of, you know, use her powers to just kind of do what she wants sometimes and he kind of like reins her in every once in a while like at the gas station where she's just kind of grabbing things without paying for it mm-hmm. he's like nope no nope, we don't do we don't do things this way so he like sort of just like um like uh, what's the word i'm looking for but like in spite of himself he sort of starts fathering her in a way like trying to teach her to be better which is a kind of another common character trait of wolverine he is in in past past movies and such he plays a very big brotherly role to rogue in the first x-men movie mm-hmm. to uh kitty pride in the early comics to jubilee in the 90s cartoon he's kind of been this big brother figure for a no- for a number of younger female x-men characters mm-hmm. and so this is kind of a progression of that role in a way sure because despite his grisly nature he does have art. He does have uh, an emotional core. He is just very hesitant to reveal that to anybody because anybody he reveals it to gets killed or very, very much hurt. He has like a very tough outer shell that he hides it in. Yeah. this for He has a tough exoskeleton for a guy with the endoskeleton of steel. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then another, another thing too is... Uh, somebody who's sort of acting as his conscience through the movie is uh, Charles Xavier. And he's kind of always been his conscience. Yeah. Um, And he is a very uh, nurturing, grandfatherly, teacherly sort of character in general, just Mm -hmm. because he was the teacher at the X-Men school and such. We learn... There's there's also kind of something that Wolverine is keeping from him, right? Yeah. Because... I mentioned he ha- he's prone to seizures. Well, it's implied in the film that one of those seizures is why the X-Men aren't around anymore. Mm-hmm. Charles killed them, essentially. And Wolverine is keeping him on the pills that keep his powers um, like diminished and isn't kind of telling him the whole truth about what happened. And, and it's implied that he kind of just doesn't know. Uh-huh. And I feel like Wolverine might be trying to save him from being Wolverine in a, in a way, right? Because mm-hmm. he's he's at at the in the last moments we see um, Charles alive, right? He is kind of confessing that he real he he's becoming aware of what that it was him mm-hmm. that that perf- that killed the X Men inadvertently. And, but he's more at peace with putting it behind him and moving on. And yeah, because like, he's lived a long life. He, right. Um, that was the point I was going to make with that. Um, it, it dropped out of my brain. <laughs> well, there's a well, there's the whole thing where he, Logan, had been trying to save up money so they could buy like a boat that they can live on. You know, so. But it's. Or, in, but I feel like that that boat is almost a hopeless venture. Mm-hmm. Wolverine's only going out to sea so that he can just kind of 
exist for the rest of his life until Charles dies. Yeah. And until he dies. He's just waiting to die, but without a purpose, really. Mm -hmm. Right? At the end of the film, he dies with a purpose. Yeah. He dies defending Laura and the kids. But throughout the movie, he's carrying on him an, an adamantium bullet that is a remnant from the the bad one we don't talk about, I believe. Hmm. Um, uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine. I think he, there's an adamantium bullet involved in that movie, and that's where he's keeping it from. Uh, or where he got it, anyway. Something like that. Um, but, like, he kind of carries that around because he feels like there's no other way out. Yeah. He feels... He's only going to stick around as long as Charles does. And when Charles is gone, what else is there for Wolverine to do? Mm -hmm. There's also like the whole facet of the film in that it's sort of written in the form of like a Western or it's like very, a very post-Western Western. It's Yeah, it's kind of a very much in the vein of the Cowboys or Shane or something along those lines. Like they even play a little clip of them watching Shane in a hotel room because They're, it's like, you know, the whole point of that is like a gunman can't really change who he is. He's got it. Right. The, the, the line I believe is th there's no living with the killing. It's a brand that sticks. Yeah. Right. And it's stuck with Wolverine for two centuries. But what Shane did and what Wolverine ends up doing is that he uses that part of him for good. Right. So like Shane clears out the gunmen that are kind of holding all the, Settlers in that valley hostage with, you know, extorting them. And Which, Logan does a similar thing in helping the children achieve freedom. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the movie, um, right, right as he's dying, the last thing he really says to Laura is don't be what they made you. Mm -hmm. He, he, he real it's in his final like moments. He realizes that be, due to his sacrifice part, part partially, that he, she doesn't have to live the life he lived, right? Mm -hmm. There is repentance. You don't, you don't have to be the way your nature is. Because like before, like the night before, they were sort of having like this little argument, and he he was telling her about how how like, people he care about end up killed, like, hurt, and that that, and then like you know talking about like you know they've killed people, like right. Wolverine woke up from a nightmare, and um, he. She's like, I have nightmares too. In my nightmares, people hurt me. And Wolverine's like, well, in my nightmares, I hurt people. Mm -hmm. And she's like, um, I only hurt bad people. And he's like, there's there's no difference. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's kind, of, that's kind of another interesting thing too. Yeah, kind of really in a really real way kind of discussing the nature of violence and is it justifiable or when, when is it justified? Can, can you come back from it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that's kind of like the primary through line. There's other little notes about, you know, Wolverine uh, and family, the family he's built with uh, Xavier and Caliban as dysfunctional as it is. It's a family, mm -hmm. the eventual bond. He, he, Builds with uh, Laura, and the one night they spend with the farming family. Yeah. Uh, and and Charles Xavier is like, this is what a real family feels like. I, I wish you could slow down and enjoy it for a moment. Mm -hmm. And actually, um, 
if you remember, right before Wolverine actually uh, gives up the ghost at the end, um, he he whispers, so this is what it feels like. Yeah. That could be taken, so this is what it feels like to die. I've been alive for 200 years. But also it could be he was with his family. This is what it feels like. This sacrifice is what it feels like to be a family. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's So there's that element to it also. Yeah. And also like in the previous, like the only other Wolverine solo film as it were. Like the, the only other one. <laughs> the, the Called The Wolverine. There's sort of this moment in that scene, my bet it was like the same director and everything. Yes, it was. Where there was like this sort of clairvoyance mutant he was talking yeah. to. Her her whole gig is being able to see the future, but only specifically when people die. Yeah. And uh I, I believe she makes some prediction for Wolverine where she's like, I, I see you lying on your black back, there's blood everywhere and you're holding your heart in your hands, right? Mm-hmm. It's in the film, it's made to build tension for the moment where he realizes there's a there's a spider robot thing in his body tearing stop keeping his uh healing ability down mm-hmm. so he digs a hole in his chest and rips it out yeah uh, he doesn't rip out his heart that was just building tension for that moment but it it is that prediction lines up with what happens at the end of uh Logan where he is holding Laura's hand as he's been impaled by a giant tree. Yeah. So like his daughter's like his heart sort yes. of metaphorically, yeah. So yeah, that there there is some really cool context you can pick up from the other films if you have seen them. But also I feel like Logan is really self-contained as yeah. a story, so as long as you have a cursory knowledge of mutants and Wolverine and Professor Xavier, you should be fine. It's easy enough to enjoy on its own. I mean, for instance, there was, uh, um, at the beginning of the movie, there was uh, Charles talking about, uh, they're waiting for you at the Statue of Liberty, which Mm -hmm. was partly a reference to the first X-Men film. Wolverine's like, the Statue of Liberty is a long time ago, Chuck. Uh, Yeah. But then there was a motel with the Statue of Liberty on it that the uh, The lady and Laura were staying at. So it was actually him communicating with Laura even though he was on drugs and in the dome mm-hmm. because the dosage was too low and stuff or whatever. Anyway. It's so also good because he wasn't taking them. There, There's also that, hence a couple of seizures that happened in the movie. Mm-hmm. Should we talk about uh, <laughs> North Dakota? <a laughs> we, should. we should talk about North Dakota. So if you, those of you who have seen the film, just to clarify, there is not, there are no mountains whatsoever in North Dakota. <laughs> Whatever you see in the movie, it looks nothing like anywhere in North Dakota at all. Right, because they're going up to Canada and the, the r- road the they border. take allegedly takes them through North Dakota. Yeah. Which the... I looked up the GPS coordinates. It's on the Canadian border in North Dakota, but it's in the middle of a field. Like, yeah. like <laughs> it's, it's very flat. So don't... As like one Redditor, I think, said like... Don't I looked it up? Don't I thought I'd save you guys like a like a long car ride for nothing. It's there's nothing up here. <laughs> if you want to try to see it, it's a fictionalized. I don't really understand it. I mean, it's more dramatic and cool looking, and I guess. More westerny. But why didn't they just go to Montana? Like that? It looked like Montana. Must have been where they shot it. 
Well, well maybe in the future. Uh, North Dakota. The, uh, in the next, Montana. Be in like, the next six years, there will be a mountain. North Dakota annexed Montana. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That still doesn't solve it. it they annexed that. Montana in the uh, the the Canadian civil, the Canadian War. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where Canada, where Canada is a global superpower now. Yeah, North Dakota is now a super state that stretches. I mean, if we seceded from the Union, we'd have like the third most nukes in the world. <laughs> yeah, we could we could annex whatever territory we, we want. It. I mean, in this in this version of ni- 2027, uh, Oklahoma City was it? Or that yeah. has is basically now Vegas. So. <laughs> yeah. Those sorts of things kind of puzzled me a little bit. It's, it's like, like the one time North Dakota gets, and like, I'm not like a native North Dakotan per se, but like, it's like, man, if you're going to bother, it's kind of like Fargo. It had nothing to do with Fargo. Um, like that, that movie. I mean, it sort of did, but they filmed it in completely different places. Like why, if you're going to try to make it about that place, why don't you film it there? But at any rate, it would have been kind of boring to have them running through like an open field. <laughs> Admittedly, it would have taken a lot of drama out of it. Also, um, interesting fact: uh, Wolverine is originally from Canada, mm-hmm. and so like he kind of began in Canada, he ends in Canada. I don't know. Oh, yeah, it, that's kind of neat little bookend. I didn't think of that. Louis from Australia. huge Ackman huge Ackman (laughs) stop looking at my nose it's funny for for as great um, Hugh Jackman plays the perfect Wolverine almost yes the one problem is he isn't five foot two Wolverine in the comics he's a short stack but I feel like the it's it doesn't make a difference for the sake of a movie more imposing that Hugh Jackman is the way Hugh Jackman is Wolverine's not supposed to be imposing you don't really have a concept of height, really, when you see him on screen, I feel like. A wolverine's like. a small creature, though. True. And kind of like a badger-sized critter. Like, in the comics, people are call- constantly calling him Shrimp or the Runt, and he, he's all indignant and chops them up. It's it's like kind of do. a character trait that is entirely lost in the film. Not like it's guy's chip on his shoulder. He only calls someone Bub in the worst movie in the series, so... <laughs> Which is another character trait of from the comics. Mm-hmm. Bub. So boy, boy, <laughs> boy, Atreus, boy. Maybe someday we'll play God of War or Dead of, Dad boy. of boy. Dead of boy. And we can review it, but we'd have to get a PS4 for that. Well, PS5 is coming out. Yeah, we can wait till that. It'll be cheap happens. then. Theoretically. 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 But yeah, um, I guess we do our uh, transcendental analysis. Not that our analysis itself is necessarily transcendental, but using the transcendentals to make our analysis. Uh, Truth. The truth of... Well, we we did cover the, the kind of... Wolverine, his whole life, rejected repentance. Mm-hmm. Right? It's kind of... And so Wolverine was kind of was very much caught up in this this shame, this pride until he set that aside and sacrificed himself and redeemed himself and accepted his his redemption, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's that's part of where the where the truth lies in that film, where it's 
there is no darkness too dark. There's no sin too grave that can't be rede- that you can't be redeemed from. Mm-hmm. And rejecting that is only prolonging it. Pro- yeah. Yeah, I'd say that's one of the major morals of the movie. Um, because yeah, he a lot in a lot of ways he's ba- he's running from his past because he's the same people literally running from his that past. gave him like his adamantium the, skeleton. The people behind what created Laura are also the Weapon X guys that created him. That's mm-hmm. how they had his DNA to create a clone of his past self that he is now literally running from mm-hmm. and has to literally fight. And it's only through his relationship with Laura and she, she, she ends up firing the, the adamantium bullet meant to kill Wolverine, right? Meant to, for that, well, that Logan meant to kill himself. But what he does is he kind of uses it to kill his past self. Mm-hmm. She uses it to kill his past self. Oh, yeah. kind of self freeing himself. <laughs> she, she kind of frees him from that past version of himself in a way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's some good elements of truth in there. Uh, and goodness too. There's some very good moments in the, the movie. relationships between Logan and Laura and Charles. I wouldn't say that I mean, like most of the film that the relationship between um, Logan and Laura is good. No, no. it's more. It's only. Really it comes in the at end. the end. It comes in. Logan at the is end. very reluctant to sort of you know after after he wakes up from Laura driving most of the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because uh, this nine-year-old kid driving... Well, like, she was trained to be, like, this assassin or whatever. Well, right, but, well, like, yeah, you'd but think a dri- state yeah. patrol officer rolling by is like, hmm, yes, perfectly normal nine-year-olds driving. Yeah, I mean, they are kind of lax on pulling people over. No, well, not lax, but, like, they're a little chill in North Dakota when it comes to giving out tickets, but I don't know about that chill. So, yeah, you got your farmer's permit? Okay, all right. Wait, there's not a farm here. Um, <laughs> but, like, there's another good moment is, like, so they, there's, in the future, in the near future, they have, like, these self-driving semi-trucks um, that can be, that cause basically this accident, and there's this family who has a trailer full of horses. Like, the horses get out onto the freeway, and so Charles uses his tele- telepathy telepathy ability to like get the horses back the in horses the, yeah get them back in the trailer safely so this family out of gratitude invites them to their home for dinner and so they have sort of this nice meal and friendly conversation with this family and it's like sort of a peaceful joyful time yeah and uh wolverine in all of his relationships are, is very dysfunctional right mm-hmm. but slowly over the course of the film that he s- starts to to change for the better, to be more kind, more loving, more more virtuous, mm-hmm. and less we're a, we're a relationship out of necessity, mm-hmm. right? Him. It starts out the movie. Him and Caliban are discussing matters, and Caliban's like, "Well, you, you just asked me, you needed help, but now nah, I can't." You won't let me help you. Yeah, he he won't let anyone help him, right? Yep. As the film goes on, he starts to let people help him and help other people. Yep. So that kind of growth of character is really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, beauty movie's very well shot. It is very well shot. It's interesting. The lighting in that film is very harsh. In a, it's like in a way, but it's also very they're like, very natural, natural. Yeah, but it's kind of kind of unflattering. 
Yes. Yeah. It's lots of brown and brown. Brown, 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 brown. But like, it's very, yeah, it's not, I mean, towards the end, there's some kind of, you know, there's some aesthetic looking countryside and stuff that's in the background. That is but very much North Dakota. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For the most part, though, it's, yeah, things are kind of bleak. It's, there's, it's, for the majority of the film, there's not really a whole lot of special effects, really, com- I mean, for most superhero films these days. I mean, obviously, there's stuff, you know, obviously, Hugh Jackman doesn't really have Wolverine claws that we know of. But I mean, they're, they're Nor does he really eviscerate 50 people. Right. But, I mean, there's no, like, giant action set pieces, really, until the end. And even then, that's just running through the forest and occasionally throwing a fireball over someone's shoulder. Yeah. So, I mean... It's it's very gritty and like very practically shot, which really serves to emphasize the the how personal the violence is almost how yeah. how very close quarters it is yeah how very, so hi kids do you like violence <laughs> so there is a it it is uh, visually it's like not particularly stand out let's say but it's also not bad it's, i really i don't know it really one, serves the tone of the film really well cinema from a cinematography standpoint it's one of my favorite movies there's some there's some great shots in there and the music is actually really western there's like a lot of weird electric when there guitar is music in there the, the music is sparse and when it's in the film it only really it serves to heighten the moment right uh and doesn't really do much beyond that Right, but it kind of has a very uh, cowboy road trip vibe, mm-hmm. which was kind of like what they're going for. Yeah, it, don't be fooled. This isn't like a super a typical superhero film. It's a it's a western. Yeah, like a modern, postmodern, post postmodern western or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the unity, I guess, as we come to that. It's all brown. (laughs) (laughs) It's all brown. (laughs) It is very unified because it's all. I mean, there's a lot of things that it's very obviously it's coherent, but there's a lot of a lot of things in the character of Wolverine that come to a head and reach their fulfillment and completion in this movie. Right, and it is all established within the film, but there's also the extra context of all the other movies that That, really kind of come together. Right, um, it's it's really really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. One, a neat thing thing about it is um, there's the main story about well the the, the road trip. But there's just a couple of subplots that are not explicitly told. Really, they're very much background noise mm-hmm. for the rest of the film. But if uh, if you're paying attention and looking for it, you can pick out the subtext about oh. It was it's Charles's fault the X Men aren't a thing anymore, yep. or the Weapon X guys apparently have been genetically engineering corn to remove mutants. Yeah, but that's the thing that is just hinted and in the background at all times. You just don't know to look for it until the end when he says it, and you're like, "Wait!" And once what? you do discover, and then you watch it again. And it's like, oh, it, it was all there the whole time. All the little news articles, all the little radio sh- driving things. by cornfields, driving by cornfields. And the the big corn company buying up all the land and trying to buy the land of the other farmer guy they live with, uh-huh. that's all wrapped up in that. Yep. 
and you don't know it's wrapped up in that unless you're looking for it. And once you look for it, it's like, oh, that was all there the whole time. It's, it's a mm-hmm. really well put together film because you get something a little bit new every time you watch it. It does a lot of world building without trying. Well, not building, but like it's it's a world that feels very lived in and believable. And there's more going on in this world than just three people's ride across America. Now, it doesn't really directly try to like reveal that to you, but it's there. If should, you want to find look it. For it. Yeah. So yeah, overall, good film. I mean, it's it's a difficult watch. It's very Yeah. very um it's it's there's some, there's much to it. It's Wolverine eviscerating people. It's rated R. Mm-hmm. Uh but it's it's a it's really good. Prob it is probably the single greatest piece of X Men film media to ever be, be created. Yeah, I mean that's for some of those movies it sets the bar pretty low, but this actually is yes, well, quite an excellent film in a lot of regards. It's very if you like character driven action, it's good stuff. And for a little more context, there's the Wolverine, the one where he goes to Japan and fights also a pretty good movie. samurai pretty also pretty good and it's like kind of the spiritual prequel to this one because it's same director same actors and all that mm-hmm. yeah 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 the other x-men movies really really kind of aren't worth bothering for the most part the first x-men film is fine for an early 2000 superhero movie that's the only i've only seen the first one uh, the Wolverine and and Logan. Uh, Days ones. of Future Past is pretty fun. Sure, it's the one with the uh, with Quicksilver running to time in a bottle. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, and it's got Sentinels and it's got uh, Peter Dinklage as uh, the guy that builds Sentinels. Oh, um, and Dinklage, it's got uh, <laughs> Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage. But yeah, and that one is when and those the the prequel. But also alternate timeline X Men films, I guess. Kind the of, ones sort of ish. They're the ones where Jennifer Lawrence plays Mystique, the oh, blue yeah. shapeshifty lady, who inexplicably doesn't wear clothes for most of the time, and it's like, what the like, heck why are you up to? Just, yeah, <laughs> why, just just even why? And also, it's not um, Gandalf that plays um, Magneto in Michael Fassbender. It's Michael, Michael Fassbender. Fassbender. Michael Fassbender. Yeah, Michael Fassbender. <laughs> yeah. Bender, Michael Michael Airbender. <laughs> Are we boned? <laughs> That's the name of the robot in Futurama, isn't it? Bender. Yeah. Bender. Yes, that that was what he was talking about. Cool. It, that was his joke. We're explaining the joke. This funny joke. <laughs> funny joke. Mm-hmm. I have a joke for you. <laughs> Shout out to John for introducing, introducing us, us to, to funny joke. <laughs> And game uh, Grumps and all that. Joke Yoda. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Rather funny. Well, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, mostly ladies, for listening to this podcast. <laughs> Actually not. Well, 40%. Oh, okay. Never mind. That's not a majority. But it, 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 nonetheless, thank you for being here. We appreciate your listenership. Feel free to follow us at Palladian Paper or Palapapis on Facebook and Twitter. Um, yeah, you can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts. We're that if that probably iTunes or Google Play or Spotify, you can listen if you, to if you want to listen to us on Castbox. You can do We're that. Castbox, apparently. Oh, oh, <laughs> radio. We're on Castbox too. If there's apparently. something that you listen on and we're not on it, 
tell us about it. Yeah. We'll put, we'll do it. Except maybe SoundCloud. We we try. Yeah, they don't like RSS feeds. Nah, so. <laughs> we, we ditched them. Um, but yeah, feel free to email us at the Palladian Papists at gmail dot com. Um, mm-hmm. not the Palladian Papists. Okay, Palladian Papists at gmail dot com without the the. Without the, the the the. If you type the the, we can't guarantee you who you're like messaging. Like papish, but without the tur. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. Anything else uh, we need to talk about? Like, shoot us a comment. Are there comment sections on any of these platforms? And do we look at them? There are reviews on leave iTunes. us a review, yeah, Ooh, on reviews. Google especially if you leave us a review that is very helpful. iTunes especially yes also because nobody listens to podcasts on Google yeah so on iTunes leave us a, re- a review if you feel so inclined and be greatly appreciated yeah we've been the uh, Palladian excuse me the Palladian Papers Palladian excuse me the Palladian excuse the me. Pl- <laughs> we've been uh, the Palladian Papers morning. <laughs> <laughs> Will we ever talk about Rick and Morty? Nope. Yeah, probably not. That would entail having to watch Rick and Morty. Speak for yourself, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's there's a lot of it. And I don't have anything to watch. This is true. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Stay safe. Stay happy. We'll talk to you in the next episode. Bye.